What is up, everybody? I just want to start by saying thank you to all of my listeners, both the longtime listeners, of course, and the newer listeners who have come aboard more recently. Uh, really appreciate you guys taking time out of your days to listen and sharing these episodes with friends and family. This word of mouth marketing is by far and away the number one reason that this podcast has the reach that it does. We've continued to grow quite a bit recently. We're reaching all ends of this earth, and it's because of you, the audience, sharing this with friends and family. So from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you. I uh, want to also point you to our social media pages. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. You could see tips, uh, self-improvement, self-help, personal development tips and philosophies, and of course, video updates and other things going on with the podcast. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And finally... If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, I ask that you take literally 20, 30 seconds out of your day right now and go to the podcast page, The Optimal Life with Nate Haber, and give us a rating. It, you don't even need to leave a review. If you leave a review, great. The constructive criticism, the positive feedback, we welcome everything. But if you could give us the rating and if you find great value in this, I'd ask for the five stars. That will continue to allow us to reach as well. And now... Please enjoy the show. The Optimal Life. Ben, welcome. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate you uh, having me on today. I'm very grateful to be a guest on your show. Thank you. I'm very grateful to have you. Um, so I find this interesting. Cigarettes taught you about entrepreneurship at a, a very young age. Yeah, that's correct. When I was eight years old, um, I... Uh, I lived next to a town where I grew up in the 70s that had the most bars per square feet per capita in the United States. And uh, the bars were open and uh, you could walk right in and you'd be drinking and smoking. And I figured out at a young age that uh, I could sell cigarettes in a bar and make a little money and some cash. And, uh, and it was a short-lived career, but it paid, it got me exactly what I needed, which were uh, Slurpees and and Skittles and and bazooka gum and uh, uh, Alexander the grapes, you know all the all the stuff you get from Chicago, all the Chicago iconic candies like Tootsie Roll and where all these candies were from. Right. And so, uh, I was a big, I'm still am a big candy guy. I'm big into Swedish Fish. Oh, my those staff, are great. My staff, my staff sends me pounds of them, but uh, and hey, it was it was a good experience. It taught me a lot taught me a lot about hustling and, and focus and commitment. And I still, that, that eight year old kid is still inside me every day. I, I still am pushing and grinding every day. And, and at my company Alliance, we have incredible talented people and I'm very grateful for them and they inspired me as well. So how do you analogize that experience as an eight year old kid with the cigarettes to the commercial real estate market? I think it's taking a chance. I think it's uh, understanding risk. It's pulling the trigger. It's uh, it's it's taking action. You know, when I was a young age and starting at that, and all throughout my life, it's all about taking action. I didn't come from money. I had to earn everything that I have now. And so, at the end of the day, Nate, it was an experience for me saying, "What's the worst can happen if if I fail? What's the worst can happen if someone says no?" You know, failure is part of success as an entrepreneur. And I realized that as a young age, and that kind of propelled me to the success I've had in commercial real estate. 
commercial real estate is a big failing business. You get a lot of no's when you're looking at deals, uh, when you're pitching people like my staff and I do. Uh, it's a lot of no's raising equity. So you have to have thick skin. You have to have this mindset that the more no's I get, the closer I get to the outcome. And that's mm-hmm. what I learned at a younger age as well. So you carried that forward to your mid-20s, I think 24 years old, when you really started getting involved. Now, how does someone at 24 years old say, okay, it's time for me to get involved in commercial real estate? I mean, where do you even begin? Well, where you begin is with your mindset, believing in yourself that you can do it. And so in Chicago, we had a big office industrial market, and that's where I'm from. And I just put together my first deal. I always wanted my own business. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And my mindset was I dreamed that I would have my own business, be successful, make millions of dollars. And that was my dream. And I wasn't going to stop. And so it didn't matter how what age I was. I wasn't going to let go of my dream. I wasn't going to let someone to tell me what hours of work or where I could travel. I wasn't going to let someone, you know, my father was a corporate guy and I'd see him take the train from where we lived to downtown Chicago. And I saw his lifestyle and I said, not me, not me. I'm not going to be subject to potentially getting fired because of mergers or acquisitions or layoffs or a bad economy. Well, because gonna- the train ends up being late. To work. Or whatever, whatever yeah. might be the case. It's, it's more about, I'm going to control my own destiny. And so I had that fire inside me when I was a young age, and it's carried through to today. I don't believe in the word can't or any contraction as a word. And because of that, it's propelled me to know that I can do and become whoever I want. And it goes to my personal brand. I mean, if you follow me on social media, I was on social media till almost a year ago, under a year ago. And I didn't have a podcast, Ben Reinberg, I own it. And people are like, well, what's that going to be like? And this and that. And now the show is wildly successful. I have celebrities and all trying to network individuals on my show. And so I don't believe in the word can't. I, when someone says to me, I can't do something, I said, okay, let's see. And I prove them wrong. And I have that fire inside me. And I think it's always burned in me. I have that chip on my shoulder in a positive way, in a loving way. But I always still have that chip on my shoulder. I never forget, Nate, the first day I started. And if you ever forget the first day you started, you lose because you realize it humbles you. Like, I remember when I had nothing. I remember when I didn't have the knowledge or the re- or the relationships or the resources to become the person I am today. And when you don't forget those days, you're very grateful for where you are. And so gratitude is important to me. Mm. And uh, so that 23, 24-year-old kid who didn't know anything, um, has really developed into an incredible 53-year-old man is sitting here today. And so, you know, 30 years later, I look back and I wouldn't change a thing. I, I had to go through failures. I had to go through grinding. I had to go through long days and nights, had to go through no internet and trying to find deals and shiny books and all the things I've done. And all those experiences have culminated into great success, ability to influence people, help people, and shortly, I'll be teaching commercial real estate around the world. And I wouldn't be able to do that today with all the lessons and the hard knocks I had to go through to get to this point. So, so you've got a, there's so a kid that's one more thing. 
for your audience out there, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Live your dreams. Go for it. You're going to have some setbacks. And when you can push forward, you'll see you'll have great success. And that's how you create financial freedom. So there's a 24-year-old kid listening right now, and it says, Ben, I've got the exact same mentality you had. I don't want to work a nine-to-five. I don't want to work for corporate America. I want to be my own boss. I want to be a multimillionaire. All the things that you wanted. But he doesn't have any resources. He doesn't have much money to his name, and he has no contacts in, in real estate. So where does somebody like that begin? Well, you have to pick a niche. You have to look at your area and decide, what do I want to do? And then you got to focus, you know, where, where your energy goes, your focus will go as well. And so you will, what you do is you pick a niche. Am I going to do multifamily? Am I going to do industrial? Am I going to do office, self-storage, uh, medical office, some, one of the niches we have, retail? So you got to pick a niche. And the best thing to do is look at starting your immediate area. And when you do that, I, I didn't have any resources either. But I networked. I would go to events. I would be at, you know, nowadays we have coffee shops. We didn't really have that when I was younger. I mean, there was no Starbucks. Starbucks was coming on the scene in Chicago. But you can go places and you have to put yourself out there. Find networking events. Tell people what you're doing. Tell people you're looking to raise money. Go meet with bankers to get loans local. I would start locally and and then and then branch out when you get more confidence. And a lot of it is a mental game, Nate. You have to master your inner self. So I tell people all the time, they ask me, how do I do it? I'm like, work on yourself. Become the best version of yourself. The best version of yourself will start attracting money and, and people into your life. So I always say, work on yourself, pick a niche, and you will achieve great success. What, what are the elements required to get for a deal? Like a, a simple deal. Let's say somebody picks a multifamily. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, multifamily uh, apartment buildings. So if somebody's got that as their mindset and says, I want to start there, but I don't have much money to my name, so I'm going to go network. What are the elements that they need to put in place for bank, investors? How, how, do you, how do they get the deal done? Well, first of all, I would go meet with the bank, tell them what you want to do. You have to put some numbers together or hire someone. I would bring in resources like an accountant. And a lawyer to help you shepherd through the process and help you. I would find a great commercial real estate attorney to help you kind of establish yourself. You know, where can I find a lender? Uh, I would talk to your accountant, hire an accountant to say, help me run numbers. There's, you know, with the internet, there's so many resources compared to when I started. You can Google all these resources to help you running numbers. You know, there's all these different apps and stuff that you can outsource people to help you. So you get creative now. Now it's easy. I mean, if I had this when I was in my early 20s, oh my gosh, I'd be going to town. I would be Googling and looking at Upwork and all these freelance websites. And I wouldn't even know them all because I don't use them. Uh, getting VAs and all these different things, I would say, help me run numbers. Help me find lenders. Um, you could hire a mortgage broker to help you find a lender. That's a good way to start as well. There's so many resources out there to get your arms around how to get started. There's no excuse these days. I can understand back in the early 90s when I was getting started, it wasn't as prevalent as it is today. Today, there's no excuses. You can become resource rich really easy now with the internet. And if, if you work on yourself, 
and you can communicate really well, you will obtain those resources very easily. So relationships are relationships matter. Relationships are key. It's everything in our business. I mean, uh, our business is the foundation of commercial real estate is relationships. When I walk into a room, people know I can close. People know my track record. Um, it's a lot easier. You know, I there's a saying in our business. You spend the first third, 30 of your career on your back, developing your release resources, learning, growing. Next third on your feet, you're ready to get going and start accelerating. And the last third on your stomach, I'm on my stomach. You could swim through water and navigate and understand how to review deals quickly and bring in the resources and the staff you need to grow and scale your company. And that's how the business works. It's a marathon business. Now I get rich quick. It's not I'm training on the Merck or the Board of Trade in Chicago or on the stock market or, you know, like what the kids like these days, crypto and all these different things is get it's they see it online and think it's easy. It's not easy. You have to grind. You have to put the hours in. And if you do that, you'll see a lot of success. So what I love about commercial real estate, it's high barriers to entry. When you get to this point in my career, it's not many people that can compete with me because of the years I've been doing it. And my point to everyone out there is just got to get out and do it. And you got to realize if you're going to get in commercial real estate, it's going to be a marathon business. You're going to go through ups and downs. You got to learn. But once you gain that knowledge, the business becomes easier and you start building more and more wealth. What's the number one reason that a deal would fall through? I know there's many reasons. Are you are you talking about when you write an offer? Or are you talking about when you're in due diligence? Or are you talking about when you own it and the deal goes sideways? Well, let's talk about when you're about to write an offer. Well, it could be you're competing, you don't have a high enough price, the seller doesn't believe you can close, you're not building, you're not communicating well, you're not building credibility. There's a lot of reasons. You know, it could be situation where the seller's just looking for an appraisal, a free appraisal about how you're going to value it. So, so you're saying that you guys can do all that work and the seller is really just trying to get a valuation estimate. Yeah, but we kind of stop it immediately. We know exactly how to prevent that from happening. We tell them up front, we're not in the appraisal business. And then what about when you're owning a unit and you're looking to sell? What's what's a what's something that happens that occurs often where the deal would go sideways? Are you talking about when we're selling a property that we own? Correct. Well, it could be you're not qualifying your buyer well enough, which we do very well. We have certain brokers we work with that sell our deals, and we've been doing this together for so long. We can we we understand the questions that need to be stipulated to know if someone can close. So take us through some of these things uh, for people at a high level, uh, understanding the real estate, understanding commercial real estate. You did say for anyone that's young, that's starting off, start local, start close to home. Um, location, location, location. Talk to us about why location is important. Well, location is not the key to our business. The key to our business is the ability to hold. You got to be able to ride different recessions and cycles. And, and financing. So you have to have key reserves in, you have to underwrite it properly. That's the key to our business. Location's important depending on what type of product type you have, what's the ingress egress to get in and out of the property. Um, every single niche has different requirements, whether it's parking, you know, how much parking you need for retail compared to medical office. Uh, what, what type of environmental issues can come up on industrial or, or office? 
there's just so many different variables you have to deal with in, in all these different niches. And I would say with location, location's good where it comes to certain product types, where it could be if it's retail, are you near residential communities? You know, what's the, where are you in the at community? Medical, how close are you? Maybe you have to be near a hospital if you're an OBGYN. There's so many different niches and niches within them that it's hard to pinpoint why location's important. Location could drive up rents depending on the product type. Uh, location could drive up market demand depending on where you are around the country. So location, location, location is more of a, a residential type attitude. Uh, in commercial real estate, it's about the ability to hold. It's about supply and demand, looking at the demand generators and why is your product superior to someone else? Is it you could charge less rent? It's all based on income and and vacancy rates, absorption rates, and that's where location comes into play. So, for example, if you own a property around the United States in a market that population is going to double, well, that's a good location. So, location is only subject to certain variables. Right, and I'm getting this from your blog. So, this is uh, the commercial real estate important things to know. And while it says location is cliche, it's also true. You wouldn't want to. I, I would assume you guys wouldn't invest in a uh, a place that's you know a tattoo parlor, parlor is going to go into when there's no foot traffic in the area. Yeah, exactly. And that's when location comes into play. So for example, location has different meanings in our business. It could be the city you're in, like I reference. It could be, you know, what are the demographics? So when we acquire properties, we have a certain box, Nate, that we look at that we know creates success. But everyone has different niches. Some people want to be in rough areas and do low income housings or opportunity zones. Every niche has a different location preference. So it's hard to pinpoint what location, location, location means. You know, in residential, location is is driven off schools. So uh, where I raised my kids was a very affluent area in the Chicago area that had the best schools in the country and is very competitive. It was completely different. In commercial real estate, um, if I have a retail space and I want to be a hard corner, that may be more professional, more, more prominent than being tucked in the back of of somewhere. I ha- there's retail centers we've owned where you don't want to own a, a space in the in the elbow. It's hard to lease. So location has all different meanings in in different gradations. And a lot of it comes from experience. Now, when you say the elbow, is that where the building basically meets right in the it's the it's crossway? Yeah. So you might have a shopping center. Let's just say uh it's like an L shape and the elbow, and the elbow is the hardest one to lease. Right. So it just depends how it was designed. If you buy an older shopping center, you might have issues with leasing up that space. Does location matter as much for medical office buildings, which is your specialty? Um, yeah, it's one of our niches. So what we are, Nate, is we're office, industrial, and retail experts. That's why I cut my teeth. I built millions square feet of office and industrial. And 18 years ago, my 29-year career, we got into medical office. And Medical office uh, location is important depending on the use and the niche and how it fits within the community. That's when location is important. But you can have a phenomenal facility that's in a bedroom community and 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 it it meets the needs of that community. It does really well and and it could be not in the best area within that city. Uh, let's say it's in a suburb and it's because of the doctor group. It could be the marketing they do. Um, you know, it could be you have a dental 
office that's in a outlet of a shopping center. So uh, it, it location is important in some instances, but it's also the quality of the tenant that's in there as well. You mentioned retail, and we know retail has been struggling for some time. Uh, talk to us about where you see the future of retail, especially post-pandemic, Amazon, all these different things, the changing in market conditions. Where do you see retail going? It's a good question because um, grocery anchor centers do fairly well because people still need to grocery shop. Even though you can order groceries on Peapod and Amazon and all these different sites and all the locals will drop as well. People like to go to grocery stores. They still do. I don't think that's, <clears throat> excuse me, going away anytime soon. So those shopping centers do well. A lot of the retail has turned into medical. Some of our retail from the past have turned to all medical, which I find very interesting. But the other thing I find interesting is in the retail sector, restaurants are, are doing very well. There's certain fast food chains that do well too. So yeah, we've seen a large demand go off the internet, but there's some niches you still have to go in person. You know, people want to eat. Uh, people want to go to CVS and Walgreens, drugstores. Uh, people still want that connection, that human connection. It's It's been the downside of COVID is that we are human beings that like to connect. We like to hug. We like to shake hands. We like to, we like to eat together. We're humans. We like to socialize. So when you look at retail, you still have that social element. But however, the internet has definitely been a challenge to people. I'm the newer generation, especially my kids are in their 20s. They like to shop online. They like to wherever I'm different. I like to, I like to walk into a Walgreens or I loved going to Target and getting my toiletries. I love uh going into a grocery store. I went, I was at Whole Foods. I my office is right across the street from Fashion Island here in Newport Beach. I walked into Whole Foods, I got lunch, I got a, a bottle of water, and it allows me to get out and, and see people. So people still want that human connection. Has the internet uh, challenged retail? Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the Amazons of the world have come in and you could buy, and I have a lot of products shipped to my office and my home. But sure. yeah, the landscape of retail has changed. We don't own as much retail as we used to. And however, uh, retail's changed components too, where they might put it under an office building or do mixed use or uh, multifamily, or, you know, there's all different ways people are doing retail now, but the landscape in retail has changed. And we kind of moved away from it because when we saw the internet coming and we saw it become more prevalent, we saw Amazon starting to really take over. We said, you know what? It's, there's not as many tenants running around and that's mm -hmm. why it's changed. Interesting. Very interesting stuff. Um, so you, you're talking about you're talking about all these different opportunities that are out there. I, I was going to ask you real quick on the COVID thing before I move on. How did you guys, because you're managing multiple properties all over the country, correct? You guys have a lot of real estate. And when some of those tenants are then going to work from home and work remote, and they're not coming back for six months, nine months, 12 months. How did you and your company handle those situations? Well, we're, we're very fortunate because the human body is never going out of style. And so when you're in the medical office, you still have to go to these buildings for services. 
telehealth did not work. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not realistic. You can't go get a colonoscopy online. Doesn't work. Can't get heart surgery. Can't get orthopedic work, dermatology work. And so our properties are pandemic and recession proof. That's why our new fund, Nate, the Alliance Medical Property Fund is taking off because of our track record, 24, 25% IRR track record on medical properties, which is a conservative investment. It's allowed us to really thrive because our tenants continue to pay rent during a pandemic or recession. It's what I love about what we do and one of our niches in our company. So, but I have friends that have been retail office, multifamily, multifamily is subject to ordinances and eviction laws that the governments were putting in place. Our business had a different flavor to it. And it's because medical is not ever going out of style. People need services. They have to go to those buildings. They need them, whether it's plastic surgery to uh, cardiology, to orthopedic uh, surgery centers, you have to physically show up in person. Yeah. The AI is not that good yet. No, the AI <laughs> is never going to be that good. The yeah. human body is never going out of style. Yeah. And it's uh, it's just a beautiful thing in our business. And it's why we love it. You, you mentioned the Alliance Fund. Um, is that Would that be considered a real estate investment trust? No, it's, it's more of a private fund where investors come in. It's 100,000 minimal minimum. It's a call fund. There's different classes in the fund. And we pay preferred returns every quarter. Uh, we're raising initially 50 million. I think that will double to 100 million based on the demand. And we're starting to buy assets at the end of the summer. And we think there's going to be great buying opportunities in our space for uh, the next handful of months to come. So we're really excited. And if you log on to our website, Alliance CGC, you can see the fund and it's taking off. I'm so proud of my staff. We have 200 plus years, 200 plus of commercial real estate experience just on my leadership team. Mm. And so um, we are well capitalized, well-integrated, and well-versed in what we do. And so it's a privilege to invest in our fund. Uh, we call it the Birkenbag effect. It's very rare and unique. But for anyone out there that has capital that's looking for current cash flow and a safe, secure, and profitable investment, that's what we do at Alliance. So you're looking to give those types of 20-plus percent returns. And I assume that you're, do you guys have a, a goal of X amount of years to then sell? Yeah. So basically our fund is a five-year fund. We'll be in and out. Uh, we'll probably sell to an institution because they want companies like us to roll up a large portfolio property and sell it to them. They don't want to do the grunt work that we do. Right. Alliance CGC, you said? Yeah. So it's a, our website is Alliance CGC, charliegeorgecharlie.com. If you're interested in passively investing in the hottest asset class, the number one fund in the United States, the Alliance Medical Property Fund. So if you have some capital out there and you want to come in, uh, we're happy to qualify. You have to qualify to come into the fund. And uh, and if you're interested, just let us know. Beautiful. So what would be the difference? That's more private. What's the what's a real estate investment trust then? Well, a REIT has there's private and public REITs. They're they're structured different ways. They have different uh, benefits to them. Uh, the public REITs and some of the other REITs are more liquid where you could sell shares if they're public. That's the difference, but you don't get tax benefits on a public REIT. And so it's just a matter of where you want to play. The nice thing about uh, our space is you can kick the bricks and mortar. It's 24-7 transparency. You go on our investor portal. 
it's just there's just differences the way people run their companies and if you're going to do a REIT, private REIT, or just funds or syndications. Okay. So where you guys, again, you came from Chicago. You're now living in Newport Beach or in California, and you've got real estate properties and opportunities and deals that it sounds like you've done probably all throughout the country. So where are some of the hot markets right now? Um, it just depends on the product type you're looking for. You, you want to look for product growth. And so Florida's good. Texas is good. Tennessee is a good market. Uh, um, Arizona's great. New Mexico. Uh, Idaho is a great market. Uh, Nevada is a phenomenal market. Las Vegas and Reno. Uh, there's other areas. The Carolinas are doing really well. North and South Carolina. Georgia's growing. Savannah, Georgia, Atlanta's growing. So it's just a matter of uh, where you're interested in playing, what your product type is, Nate. It, well, is there is there a place in the country that you prefer to stay away from? Well, <laughs> I have to laugh. I'm from Chicago and uh, taxes are rising. Um, I try to stay. I like certain parts of California. Um, I try to stay away from political turmoil states. I try to stay away from high taxes if possible. So I I don't invest in New York. Um, I don't, we still own in Illinois. I'm trying to move away from that. Eventually we'll sell our portfolio there. Uh, it doesn't mean we won't go back into there, but it's more about the political climate, pro-growth, great healthcare policies for what we do specifically. But it's really about population growth. And so we look at population growth. And so I would say, the South, Southeast, Southwest are some of the best markets in the country right now. Mm. Do you are you heavily involved in California? Because that to me would be one of the highest tax markets there is. No, we don't own much in this market. Um, I do live in Orange County. I love this market, and we're looking here. But uh, at the end of the day, is we try to stay away from bad political climates, to my estimation, and high taxes. So there's only certain markets of California we will look at. Gotcha. Alliance CGC, we'll link that up in the show notes, uh, Ben. Talk to us real briefly, too, before we finish it up here. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing now. You're at a point in your career where you're able, like you said, you're swimming. And one of the things that you're doing now in coaching and consulting, it sounds like you're trying to help young investors or uneducated or maybe educated investors that want a little more uh, uh, opportunity to learn. So talk to us about some of the services you're providing. Well, we launched my personal brand. You can go to benreinberg.com. You can follow me on all different social media platforms. And what we what I wanted to do is I wanted to create an impact and help people and serve people. And so we're creating content to teach commercial real estate. It's something we're working on now. I'm writing a new book about commercial real estate, which I think will be really insightful for people that want to get into commercial real estate, Nate. And also my podcast. My podcast provides so much knowledge and education on just life in general from health, wealth, fitness, relationships, business, commercial real estate, any real estate, um, that we offer a holistic approach to our audience, which helps teach them and educate them how to make their life as best as possible. Because I want people also living their best life and becoming their authentic version of themselves. And so all these things that I do are all about giving back. Mm. That's beautiful stuff. And we'll make sure we link that up in the show notes, your podcast, your website, et cetera. Final question for you. What's your favorite wine? 
Oh God, I am a wino. I don't really drink much anymore. I stopped drinking, but I'll have a glass here and there. Um, I collect wine from all over the all over the world, and uh, oh, it's a tough question that you put me <laughs> on the spot. But yeah. uh, you know, I register with different vineyards out there. Um, you know, I like Turley's wines. The red vins are great. They have a great cab. Um, I love Italian wines. They don't have the sulfates in it that, you know, can affect you and give you headaches. So I really like all different types of Italian wines. French wines are great. Um, Napa in California is a great region. There's Walla Walla in Washington. There's great Pinot Noirs and Pinot Gris in uh, Oregon in uh, um outside of Portland in that region in uh, uh, I can't even remember the county, uh, whatever it is. Uh, and there's just all over, you can be in Canada, you can be in Mexico and for great wines, you can be in, you can be in Texas in the Hills country and go to great wineries. So there's so many great vineyards and wineries. Now it's so hard to pinpoint one. I love a good cab. I love a good Bordeaux um, reds in, I'm not a white wine drinker once in a while. I'll have it. Uh, because some of the people I hang out with like white wine, but at the end of the day, I'm a red guy and, uh, I like it where it's bold. Uh, sometimes I like it sweet. It's just a matter of what I'm eating for dinner, uh, or for that meal. And I just love it. I love wine and I love the stories behind wine and how they're made. And every bottle of wine has a different story and vintage and it fascinates me. And it's really helped me because we give our investors and people we do business with wine and wine is to me such a personalized gift because it really resonates with someone. So when I give someone a bottle of wine, there's an internal emotion. I think that comes out of people of just really saying thank you. And, and bottle of wine to me has a lot of meaning and besides you could drink it. It's just the, it's the thought behind it that goes into it. So when you give someone a really nice bottle of wine, uh, it's a priceless thing. Hey, it's the connection. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning, relationships. It's yep. everything that you're about. And that's yeah. that was the issue with COVID. It's like we couldn't we couldn't humanly connect with each other. It was driving people nuts because, right. again, we're social beings. You know somebody's a wino, folks, when you ask them what their favorite wine is, and then they give you a five-minute spiel of all the different wines throughout the different regions of the world. So, uh, and, and I can give you years, like what are good growing years. And and so when you really understand it and you do a deep dive, you really get into it. And so in Chicago, I had this incredible wine cellar in my house. And once I moved to California, I got all this wine in storage in Chicago. Eventually I'll ship it here, but, you know, look, look forward to continuing learning more about wine. Beautiful. Hey, Ben, uh, thank you so much for your time and continued success to you. Thank you. Appreciate having me on Nate and uh, what a real treat. Thanks again.